Brilliant. If you could talk to the person next to you and ask them two questions. One is, do you like chocolate? Second question, on a scale of one to ten, how would you rate your catching ability? Okay. Ten, right. Are you ready? Okay, so first off, can I have someone from the back half of the room who likes chocolate and would rate their catching ability? I just need one person from the back. They go, oh, we've got one. She's already, right, no, 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 you can come up. It's not that hard. Right, you're over this side. Can we have someone from the front who we reckons they've got some skills? Do you want to come up, sir? Come up to the front. You're sort of from the back, but I'll allow that. <laughs> it's all right. Up for grabs is a penguin bar. It's not really worth much of a new, is it? It's a penguin. So you're over this. Oh. Very good, if you'd like to come over this side. Now, just to show you've got the skills to be here, could you just give us three catches? It's pretty straightforward, isn't it? Right. Now, your challenge is, you've got to catch it just once, wearing my magical glasses. Okay? Just once, and if you can do it once, then you get the penguin bar. I'm well impressed. You're double glasses in it. Well, yeah. Right, okay, go on then. Do you know, you've ruined my analogy. Try it higher. <laughs> Yeah, thanks. Right, you can go and sit down, thanks. <laughs> oh, you don't need to give the chocolate back. I'll have the tennis ball, though. That worked so well in the first service. <laughs> I promise you, it's difficult. They've got some... I should have asked someone who can't catch. <laughs> that would have made the point better. But we're thinking this morning about seeing and not seeing. That's the kind of title of what we're thinking about. And so I wanted to start us off with that sort of analogy to get us thinking about, imagine, if you will, someone was born with those funny glasses. And then if we met them and said, why can't you catch? We'd think, well, there's a good reason you can't catch, because you've never experienced life without the glasses on. And so as we look at a few people, a few characters... In our accounts today, it's worth thinking, have a bit of patience with them. 
we've got the advantage of the whole Bible and a lot of teaching, and they were struggling a little bit here and there. Luke's gospel is all about people who see and people who don't see, people who get Jesus and people who don't get Jesus. And there's a lot of people who we think, oh, I don't think you'll ever get it, and they understand. And a lot of people who we think, oh, you'll definitely understand, and they don't. So here are some of the people who've cropped up in Luke's gospel as we've been looking through Luke's gospel in the last few weeks. So chapter four, we had a demon-possessed man. We've got chapter five, a leper and a tax collector. We've got a man with a, a sort of withered hand in chapter six, a centurion and a prostitute in chapter seven, neither of whom would have had any teachings about Jesus. Some women and a man with a demon in chapter eight, lots of other people in chapter 11, and lots and lots of non-Jewish people Lots of whom met Jesus and went, yeah, I know who you are. You're the Messiah, the Savior, the Christ, the one to rescue us. Jesus' parables do the same in Luke particularly. We've got the Good Samaritan, where the Samaritan gets it and behaves in the right way as opposed to the ones who should have got it and didn't. We've got the rich fool, the barren fig tree, the great banquet, and so on. All the way through this contrast, some people who you think, oh, they'll get it, but they don't and other people who we imagine won't understand it, and they do. And in chapter 18, which is the chapter we've just had read to us, we've got exactly the same thing. Jesus' disciples are with him, and for the third time he's saying to them, I'm going to die and rise again. And for the third time, they don't get it. Chapter 9, it's happened twice. He says, the Son of Man, which he's talking about himself, must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders and the chief priests, and will be killed, and the third day will rise again. He says almost the same thing a few verses later, and in the bit we've just heard, he says, we're going to Jerusalem, and everything written about me must be fulfilled. I'll be handed over, and they'll mock me and insult me and spit on me and flog me and kill me, and on the third day, I'll rise again. And they still don't understand now, if you've got the passage in front of you, we might think they've got a, a get-out-of-jail-free card, because in verse 34, it says it was hidden from them. And I've been trying to work out this week, how was it hidden from them? And I think most likely it was hidden in plain sight. They didn't get it because he wasn't what they expected. They expected Jesus to be someone who would have his feet washed rather than washing other people's feet. They expected him to be served by other people. They expected him to be like a conqueror. They didn't expect him to allow himself to be conquered. And as he was killed, to win for us freedom and forgiveness and a relationship with God. That wasn't what they were expecting Jesus to do. By contrast, the blind beggar gets it. He understands. I don't know what the picture of it looks like in your head. Jesus is walking along, you've got crowds, you've got a beggar somewhere further back, a blind man who can't, well, all blind men can't see, can they? <laughs> they wouldn't be blind otherwise. But he's at the back of the crowd, and so he can't get to Jesus. But he's shouting out because he knows there's only one person who can help him, and it's Jesus. And all of the people who were the important people were saying, shut up and be quiet, which is weird, isn't it? Because the man's blind, and he can't see, therefore. And Jesus is a healer of the blind. And you'd have thought they'd be going, get to the front. You need to see this bloke, Jesus. He'll sort you out. But they don't. They tell him to keep back. 
which is interesting, isn't it? Perhaps they didn't understand that Jesus was going to care about him. And we read that Jesus stops. Do you know that only happens once in Luke's gospel? All the way through, he's on the way somewhere, he's on the way to be killed, he's on the way to helping people. But once he stops, and this is it, Jesus stops. He notices this man that's at the back of the crowd, a seeming nobody. Jesus spots him. Everyone else had told him to shut up, but Jesus doesn't do that. Notice, by the way, that Jesus doesn't go towards the man, but Jesus makes other people bring the man to him. And I wonder maybe even if he got some of those people who told the man to be quiet to bring him forwards. That would have been a good like teaching opportunity, wouldn't it? You go and get that man you've told to shut up and bring him here. Because I want to heal him. I want to see what we can do here. And what do you want, Jesus says to him? Surely it's obvious. A blind man, surely it's obvious what he's going to want. Lord, I want to see, says the man. Receive your sight, says Jesus. Your faith has made you well. The man knew, he knew he had a need. He knew there was only one person who was going to help him. And he was willing to be humble. Thinking about baptism, when you're baptized, you're in a very vulnerable position. You're backwards in the water. It's not a position of strength, but it's a position of vulnerability. And I think that's how we all, if you've come to know Jesus, that's how we come to know him. We admit we've got a need. We admit we can't sort ourselves out. And we say, Jesus, will you come and help me? Will you sort my life out? Will you open my eyes? That's what we've been celebrating here this morning. The man had no right to shout out. There was no reason he should have thought Jesus would have stopped, but Jesus did. In Corinthians, we are told to be bold. That was our other reading. Approach God with boldness and confidence. You've got an invite. He wants you to approach him. Moses back then had received God's commandments, the Ten Commandments. This was part of the first agreement that God made with people. And people broke them all. And so there were various ways of them being forgiven, various things that they did to say, I'm sorry, God, I've failed in this. And Moses would meet with God and his face would shine. Wouldn't you love to be somebody who talked with God and it was somehow visible on your face? I've not met many people where that's happened. I'm not sure it's a reasonable expectation of all of us to expect that. But that certainly happened with Moses. Every now and then I pray that. God, would it be visible on my face that I'm one of yours and that I know you? And the people couldn't bear to look at Moses. They want him to get out the way. They want him to not be near them because they don't really get it. And it's uncomfortable for them to be in his presence. And yet we're encouraged. Turn to God. Let him take the veil away. Open our eyes to know him. He's the one who sees us every day, even the days we wish that he didn't. He's the one who brings us freedom from the things that we do wrong, freedom from worrying about other people's opinions. Did you notice at the end of the story with the blind man, he isn't left by the road? That's interesting, that Jesus heals him. Now, often Jesus sent people back to their families but in this miracle, Jesus then says, well, come follow me. Be part of my 
people, my friends, be part of my disciples, he calls him. And I think that's what Jesus does with us. As he opens our eyes, he doesn't leave us by the side of the road, but he says, come and join me. Come and be part of this adventure in life. Come and step out, take risks, see what happens. This morning, we've been thinking about seeing and not seeing. And as I mulled over, why do people not see in Luke's gospel? Why do some people not get it? It's because they already thought they could see, and so they weren't willing to say to Jesus, open my eyes. They approached him thinking they could already see. And in this, I was mulling over our dogs. We've had two dogs. They've been opposites. We have a cuddly, gorgeous, little, tiny dog at the moment. Uh, We had a monster, (laughs) and it started eating us, and so we decided we couldn't cope with it. It was huge. And about, um, about a month and a bit in, it got an eye infection. And the vet, we took it to the vet and said, you know, he's got a gunky eye, can you sort him out? And the vet said, I won't go near him because I'm scared. And we said, but you're the vet. (laughs) He said, well, I'll give you the tube and you put it in his eye. (laughs) And I said, I'm not sure we're going to do that. (laughs) He's going to bite our fingers. If you can't do it, then we can't do it. And do you know that stupid dog, every day we'd go towards him and he'd snap at our fingers because he didn't want us going near his eyes. And it drove us potty. But if he'd only let us do it, he could have seen. If he'd only allowed us to do that, his eyes would have been sorted and it wouldn't have been uncomfortable and he would have been able to see clearly. For some of us, we met Jesus when life was good. And we said, brilliant, you can bring a new understanding to our lives. You can help us to know what life's about. You can give us purpose. You can adopt us into your family, and it's brilliant. And for others of us, we fought him for a while. We said, I don't want you near my eyes. Either I can already see, or I think it might be a bit uncomfortable. I'm a little bit afraid of all of this. But Jesus is someone we can trust. He's someone who loves us. He's someone who says, come and walk with me. Be part of my family. Join me. So this morning, whether you know God for yourself or not, he would say, let me ever increasingly open your eyes. Let me into your life. Let me walk with you. Let's together see where life takes us. Let's see how I can lead you to take risks and see people come to know me for themselves. As Corinthians says, we, if you're a Christian this morning, that we includes you. We who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is spirit. They're towards the start of the journey, partway through the journey, those who've been baptized, they're gradually being changed. My prayer and my hope for each one of us is that our eyes would be opened and that we would find that adventure of following Jesus in our lives and see the world around us change. I'm going to pray for us. Um, If you'd like to close your eyes, you're very welcome. And if you'd like to say amen at the end, you can. Jesus, we thank you for this account of the blind man. We thank you that you were not just looking out for the people who seemed important, but you stopped and you noticed him. We thank you, God, that you notice us. 
that you know our names, whether we know you or not. Father, we thank you, those of us who know you, we thank you that you opened our eyes, that you set us free from the things that we shouldn't have been doing, but you gave us a new freedom, a new peace, a new joy in our lives. And Lord, we pray as you don't leave us by the side of the road, but as you say, come, follow me, be part of my family. We pray, God, that we would be ever more in step with you. And Father, for those of you us yet to allow you to open our eyes, I pray that you'd give us confidence in you, that you are gentle and good and loving. And that you desire us, you notice us and say, I'd love to know you. Lord, lead us forwards in our lives. And Lord, again, we want to say thank you for those who've been baptised. Father, would they evermore trust you and find that you are faithful. In Jesus' name. Amen.